everybody. Welcome in to another edition of Head Coach U. I am Brian Fisher, joined as always by former BYU and Virginia head coach Bronco Mendenhall. And another special guest rolls on this week, Chris Kleiman, the head coach at Kansas State. Chris, thank you so much for taking time out of your day and jumping on with us. Appreciate it. Thanks for having me, guys. Absolutely. Well, fantastic to have you on. And uh, we was talking with your AD, Gene Taylor, a couple weeks ago about uh, about your hire back in the day. I, we were joking before on beforehand. It, it's been four years. It, it, it seems like it's kind of flown by in a, in a pinch. It, it has gone so fast. Uh, hard to believe it's on year five. Throw the pandemic year in there as well. Um, but, uh, no, I pinch myself to think that this is the, the fifth year and basically uh, the football team has cycled through with um, majority of, of our players and still a handful uh, of these six-year guys that uh, it's hard to keep track of. Hmm. What, what do you remember most from your transition in the process of, of leaving uh, your previous job and then transitioning or the process to Kansas State? What do you remember about that whole process? It was a blur. Hmm. Uh, Bronco, a lot of people forget that I got hired uh, when Coach Snyder retired, and we still had a semifinal playoff game to play against our number one rival that we could not lose that game. And uh, it was going to be the last game at the Fargo Dome, and we were able to to win that um, going away with a really good quarterback named Easton Stick that had a tremendous game. And then, then there's two weeks, no, there's three weeks before a national championship game. And so just juggling back and forth, um, getting recruiting rolling uh, at Kansas State, trying to manage uh, my, my job, because I wanted to finish that job. And uh, I owed it to those kids uh, to finish the job at North Dakota State. And um, Gene and administration here were great. They knew I needed to finish that as well. And so we were able to do that. So it was just kind of a blur, just going back and forth from Manhattan to Fargo. Um, and then right after the championship game, getting on a flight and coming here and, and starting and rolling, it uh, it uh, burned a lot of energy during those uh, probably four weeks by the time it was hired to uh, finally getting here. Well, with a three-week break between the semifinals, I won't say a break, with a time period, exactly. <laughs> a time period, a three-week time period between the semifinals and the finals, if it wasn't, because I know you've done it uh, before, but if, if you weren't, transitioning to a new job, managing that three weeks. What, what was that like? How did you structure that? Uh, we did a really nice job. I'd learned it under Craig, you know, coach bowl was there and I was with him for three years in 11, 12 and 13 uh, as a DC and DB coach. So I, I kind of knew, and we had a pretty good blueprint to what to do of, of the right amount of rest as well as the right amount of, of uh, getting the guys ready to, you know, four or five days of just conditioning and lifting to walk through after walk through after walk through, <laughs> um, because these kids aren't in school. There, it, it's it. In we're going to find this out at, at Power Five when we go to a, a twelve-team playoff. Um, that's the whole Christmas break. Now, we're going to be prepping for more than just one game, but that's the Christmas break. And I always had a great appreciation for those players because. They played a championship game on Saturday and always started school back for the spring semester on Monday. And that's what we're going to get into and evolve to. But um, uh, I would say when you get an opportunity to play for a national championship, they're few and far between. It's it's a a bucket list. It's something you pinch yourself. And we had the opportunity to do that um, seven times um, uh, at North Dakota State during my eight years there. Uh, and um, it was our, our guys, when we'd win the semifinal game, they kept in the locker room, kept ch- chanting winter camp, winter camp, winter camp, because they knew they were going to be there for three weeks. 
That's a great way to frame it. I was thinking just as you were talking, the winter camp uh, model, it seemed like fall camp, just as I was listening to you kind of uh, compare it. It was, it was, and the fact of, um, you know, getting your top 40 guys healthy, but almost having another spring ball. It was mm-hmm. bull prep for those young kids. I mean, we were we were meeting with those kids. We were going through base insulation. We were practicing as if it were the first uh, week of fall camp and uh, a little bit of scrimmaging, but just trying to, to to see who are the next guys coming up. And you know, that's the thing that this that this profession is is. Uh, uh, that I love so much is the development, 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 and you're never not developing players. And uh, that was a great way. I thought it was a huge advantage that uh, we had for a better part of a decade. When you consider the development process and versus the immediacy now or the tendency for, for kids maybe to want to leave if their opportunities aren't uh, what they exactly might want them or the time frame or the timing and how fast they get on the field. How are you balancing that? And, and, and and are you balancing that? How do you think that's affecting college football? Well, we have to adapt and adjust uh, as best we can. Um, the transfer portal has been actually really good for Kansas State. We've had a lot of really good players come out of there. We had a, a kid named Julius Brents that transferred in here and got drafted in the second round. And uh, uh, countless other players um, that did the same thing that that were had immediate impact here. Um, but uh, it's when we talk about development, the other thing that we develop is non-stop relationships and um, uh, caring for kids, um, uh, getting around them as much as you can, whether it's a, at a meal, at a snack, at a weight room, in the locker room, uh, and just continuing to um, recruit your own roster all the time. And that's something that, um, you know, we don't take lightly. We don't take for granted. And uh, like I said, we've lost a handful of kids like everybody in the country has, but it, we haven't had that mass exodus because I really believe from top to bottom, not just the football staff, but the recruiting staff, the sports staff, strength staff, nutrition, athletic training, uh, all of us are around these kids all the time and, and continuing to, to build great bonds. When you consider the the transition from North Dakota State to Kansas State, how much did you know about Manhattan, Kansas? How much did you know about the state of of where Kansas State was yeah. what and what you inherited versus maybe what you thought you were inheriting and, and maybe what did you discover just as you were transitioning? Well, um, we all know that what coach did was the greatest turnaround in college football history. And um, uh, I I admire coach and what he did here. Uh, I'm an Iowa guy. I grew up in Iowa. I grew up going to Hayden Fry football camps. I thought I was a quarterback Bronco, but I really was a defense (laughs) back. So I would be in the the quarterback line with with Coach Snyder. Uh, And then I'd get thrown into the DB line with Bob Stoops. I mean, you talk about a staff that that Iowa had. I mean, it was phenomenal. Um, But, um, you know, I I was fortunate enough twice as a player uh, when I was at Northern Iowa to play at Kansas State. And so those were probably in the days weren't a lot of people at at the games in the mid to late 80s. And then um, um, at North Dakota State, we had a great chance to come down here in 2013 and we probably had the best FCS team in the history of college football. Uh, went undefeated that year, um, beat a Kansas State team that had really, really good players uh, in uh, a game that was as probably hot a game as I've ever played. So I, I knew the fan base, and I knew um, coming down here, wow, what what a difference that place was. And, and just had always watched them and, and seen them from afar. And then, you know, truth be told, when, when Gene Taylor um, – got the athletic director job and um, 
you know, when, when he left me at North Dakota state, basically he just said, just keep winning national championships. <laughs> Everything's going to work out. I'm like, well, that sounds like a simple job. Um, but we were fortunate enough to be able to win a, a handful of them. And then, uh, um, when the job opened, it was just kind of like representation, just coming back and forth saying, Hey, they want to have an interview and have a talk with you. And, um, uh, I, I, I'm a big believer in fit. I'm a big believer in, um, the right fit at the right time. And, and, and Bronco, you know, as well as I do not bring many guys in my position at FCS, get the opportunity and without skipping that, that step and going to group of five or whatever. Um, but that's where I'm incredibly indebted to, to Gene. Um, and he will never say taking a chance because, uh, that's not how, how, how he words it and operates. But I think there was great belief in what we were doing, uh, at North Dakota State could fit here. And um, a bunch of coaches came down with me, uh, and it was hard work for sure, but uh, it's been fun to see uh, the evolution of where we started here in 2019 uh, and then the pandemic hit to where where it's been. We, we're in great shape here as facilities and, and that stuff. We just completed a new indoor uh, that was done during spring ball this year. Um, and everything we have here, all the facilities and stuff are, are, are huge credit to Coach Snyder. Um, but, um, you know, I, I appreciate what Bill has done as well as is, is kind of, you know, we talk periodically, he'll send me a note, but he's kind of let me be to say, you know what, this is this is yours and, and I want to have you put your footprint on it. And, and uh, I know he's always there, which which is fun as well. Um, but um, it's been it's been a great challenge. And uh, I really think we we got a little bit. uh uh, this this fall of just, you know, we put a stamp on what we've been trying to do for the last four years. Yeah, it's been really fun to watch just um, from afar and to see the progress. When you consider, I love the word fit um, as well. I used to use the word or the term fit first in, in all our, our talent selection and assessment for coaches as well. So you mentioned coaches that came with you. I'm anxious to hear just as you were to describe who fits best with you and, and not only the combination of who fits best with you as the head coach, because I think that's really important, but also who fits best at Kansas State. So who are you looking for to be to surround yourself with coaching wise on your staff and also, you know, what kind of people? Um, family people first. Um, guys that uh, will challenge the heck out of, out of young man, but love them as well. And I think that's the whole key you can't challenge a kid till he knows you love him and he knows you care. And, um, uh, that's what I was making sure that I was going to surround myself with here. Um, and, uh, you know, our offensive line coach Connor Riley, uh, has been, uh, with me, we were assistants together at North Dakota state. And so when I came down here with one of the first guys I went down the office and said, Riles, we we've got a chance to do something. And, uh, I mean, you see the tears in his eyes because of the opportunity that, that he knew of as well. Um, of us coming from FCS to Power Five, but it's the people that uh, like Riles that um, you know. It's about family first. It's about faith. It's about um, driving people to be the best version of themselves uh, on a daily basis and creating those great habits. Uh, and you know, the other thing is, I, I was on the AFCA Board of Trustees, and so I got to know uh, a handful of people through there. Um, you know, Coach Malone and uh, Van. Uh, I was able to get uh, right away when I when I got the job here uh, and elevated him quickly to assistant head coach um, because I see the way he mentors kids. I see the way that um, uh, he builds relationships with everybody on the football team, everybody in the support staff, 
He bounces around all the different offices uh, inside Veneer here uh, and uh, making sure that everybody knows it's not one person that that runs this program. It's collectively all of us. And you'll never hear me say this is my program. I will never say it. I don't believe in that term. It's our program and everybody that's associated with it. Mm. When you consider, uh, I don't know, the if you're if you're advising someone else that gets a chance after winning national championship after national championship at, at the FCS level, which is hard to do, that then that then transitions to power five. What were the surprises or maybe what was different, if anything, that yeah. uh, that you noticed? You know, the easy thing would be staff size, mm-hmm. you know, having having more strength coaches, having more support staff, having more people in the recruiting office and and we were probably on the lower end of it here when I got here as far as, um, you know, because coach was doing it the old style way and and what he believed in. And so we've evolved quite a bit um, as far as, you know, just getting more and more people uh, hired here for, you know, design and creative media, media and all that stuff that is kind of blown up. But I've said it since the day I arrived here, Bronco, of football is football. And I'm a big believer in that. I, one of my best three or four years of my life was coaching Division Three football. And I was at Loris College in Dubuque, Iowa. Jim Collins is the president there that hired me and still a good, dear friend and still the president there. And I had a blast because um, that was the game at its purest. And those kids, you know, paid a lot of money to go to school, got their degree, and had, had fun doing it. And uh, – uh, some of the things that we've evolved with here, it still comes down to finding the right guy with character and integrity that fits what we do offensively and defensively, that we have four core values, discipline, commitment, toughness, and to be selfless. And probably the last one is the most difficult one right now is to be selfless. And we want guys that want to be at K-State and want to develop and be a part of something special. And, We've done a really nice job over the last few years since the pandemic, because when the pandemic hit, nobody could visit Manhattan, Kansas. And you need to visit Manhattan, Kansas to, to appreciate what this place is. And over the last few years, I think we've done a phenomenal job of recruiting the right type of guys here that uh, are, are our type of guys that uh, have high character, high integrity, uh, that that kind of model those four core values. And uh, it's 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 been working we like the trajectory we are on right now but you better not fall in love with yourself because you're going to get knocked down quickly here i love the term selflessness it's hard i think for not only young people it's hard for grown-ups sometimes especially when there's success and as as we know the landscape is changing and i mean the words that everyone uses with the transfer portal and nil and and, and i'm certainly i'm certainly have an influence of some point at some point um the selfless, the selfless nature of young people. When you mentioned Division Three, once you have to to pay for or contribute to your opportunity, wow! It seems to level um, the humility and the gratitude uh, component to where that's way more of an anchoring point. How do you see? I don't know with with Power Five and with the facilities that you have and with with the other opportunities coming for these kids. How do you how do you see anchoring them in selflessness? How, how do you go about it? Um, we get them around each other an awful lot. Uh, we do a lot of leadership teams, leadership groups, uh, small groups, dis- discussion. Um, 
we, we have different people lead those groups, not the same guy all the time. And, uh, we have a tremendous walk-on program here. And, uh, a lot of those guys are the lifeblood of what we're doing here. And I don't care if it's a six year senior now that has gone through and wants to play here in a super senior year. He probably, a lot of them walked on and earned a scholarship. And what I want is getting those guys out in front because a lot of people that, you know, the new freshmen that come in the last couple of years that are on scholarship and stuff, and they see uh, whomever it may be, uh, Ben Sennett, who's one of our best tight ends, it's an all-conference player, or, or Brendan Mott, who's a really good defense man. Oh, that kid must have been great all his, his whole time here. He's, he's probably had it pretty good, pretty easy, getting those guys in front of guys and say, you know what, I paid my own way. I paid out-of-state tuition my own way because I believed I had a chance here. And these guys recruited me as if I were a scholarship player and said, if you do this, this, and this, you're going to be put on aid. And those kids did that and were put on aid. Um, and so, you know, that that's part of a, an unselfish nature, nature of, man, I, I, just give me an opportunity. And if I have that opportunity, I'm going to make the most of it and then continue to um, help develop the kids that are the new walk-ons to say, if you do this, it's going to come to fruition. And, and what they're telling you is true. You just got to keep working. You got to keep working hard and you'll have that opportunity. And, and um, we've, we've done a really good job um, with our walk-ons and uh, I'm excited because with the evolution of the transfer portal and your roster changing and stuff, you have to be able to find some walk-ons that are going to come in uh, and, and kind of be the core of your locker room. And we've had that here. Yeah, it's, it's an amazing challenge. Uh, and I think the ideal and just listening to you and kind of getting a sense of, of your values and finding those that fit best at Kansas State, if you can have amazing players with with the talent that you're hopeful for and the mindset and the gratitude of the walk-ons that um, are going to stick regardless and so thankful, but also anxious to grow and mature based on if you do this, 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 even though they're on scholarship, they want to grow, they want to mature, they want to develop and they want to do it there no matter uh, who else wants them, that, that to me is, is the sweet spot to really, uh, I don't know where, where maybe the magic really happens. Well, you got to jump in with both feet when, when you come and whether or not you come, you know, a lot of kids are coming mid year now. Mm -hmm. um, and, and I don't make that a mandatory deal. I mean, that's a family decision. Mm -hmm. You know, we had, we had a young man here from, from Wichita that uh, we were talking about mid year and he said, coach, I want to win a state championship in basketball. Well then go yeah. do it. Yeah. You know, you're never going to get that time back. We'll be with your high school buddies. You'll be here in time. Um, but whether or not you come in here uh, mid-year, come in here in, in June, you know, the recruiting process is is one thing. But then when you get here, um, trust is earned. And you've got to jump in with both feet with the strength staff because they're going to probably be lifting and doing some different things, running, conditioning, recovery, more than they've ever done. Nutrition has changed so much as far as what we're putting in these kids from, you know, protein to the amount of hydration and, and sports science in general has changed, you know, with the catapult GPS systems. I mean, we need to get the data, but then trust that we're going to use the data the right way with those guys and share that data with the players to say, I mean, here's where you're at, but if you keep doing this with um, the strength training and recovery, or why am I sore every day? Well, do you, do you get in the cold tubs every day? Well, no, I've never really did that when I was growing up. I didn't need to. Trust me, as you get older, you need to. Yeah. 
you know, <laughs> or using the norm attacks. And everybody wants to jump in a hot tub. That's a blast. But now contrast, and I go from warm cup, warm to, to cold or hot to cold, and then get in a norm attack and, and keep pounding fluids. And you're like, boy, my body bounces back a little bit faster. I think I've got it now, Bronco, where a lot of the staff will go and work out. And after the workout, you go, to that, you go to that cold tub and you see a bunch of 50 year olds laying in that cold tub. We got to get through the rest of the day. <laughs> oh, that's, that's great. How, how about for your family, the transition um, from Fargo to, to Manhattan and maybe just through your coaching career and how you've best been able to, to make that work. Yeah. Um, unbelievable wife to start with that, uh, met me as a graduate assistant and we had all sorts of money uh, <laughs> when I was a GA and, and she was waiting tables. Uh, but uh, we've always been in the Midwest um, and uh, bounced around to different spots. I've had great opportunities. You know, my first, my first full-time job was at uh, Western Illinois and Randy Ball was the head coach and Bill Wilt was a defensive coordinator and so much respect for those guys gave me a shot. Uh, and then as I continued to, to bounce around and, and we started to have children, that's difficult. And I made, um, not, not a mistake, but I, I made the, when I went from Northern Iowa to North Dakota state in early February of, of 2011, we made the decision that our kids were going to finish the school year out. And maybe we were like in eighth grade, uh, fourth and second or eighth, third and first somewhere in there. So a whole semester I'm sitting up in Fargo, North Dakota, and sometimes the weather's tricky. So you probably can't drive through that all the time. And I was like, Holy cow, that was hard. And um, then we were in, in Fargo for eight years. So I got my kids, you know, my, my oldest, who's a graduate assistant for us, coaching linebackers, oh, hey. which is awesome. Uh, got him uh, through there and through high school in North Dakota and then finished up his, his uh, degree down here at Kansas State. And then my two um, other children, my, my daughter is going to be a senior at K-State. And uh, my son, and this is why I love the, the term football is football. My son is a safety for Kansas Wesleyan, which is an NAI school an hour down the road in Salina, Kansas. But when we moved to Kansas State right after that championship game, and I asked my wife, Ron, I said, what are we doing? Are we going to do this all over again? I really don't want to. Well, the kids kind of want to finish school. And I'm like, well, we got to honor what the kids want in high school. They go to school the first day of the second semester after we got back from the championship game, came home from school and said, Mom, let's go to Manhattan. We're not sitting here. Mm. So what was neat about that is, as you know, when, when coaches and families move, they put them up in the hotels for whatever, a month to however long it is. And our family of five stayed with Gene and Kathy Taylor, the athletic director and his wife. And uh, my son's never been fed so well in his life. <laughs> it, it, he, Colby, uh, my youngest, uh, absolutely loves Kathy. Uh, because he had a hot breakfast, he had dinner, and he had a great dessert every night. But uh, um, we weren't going to be apart again. And uh, I, I'm so thankful. And, you know, with two kids at, involved in Kansas State and my youngest down in Salina, it's neat that the five of us are within an hour. Mm. So, so tell us about the state of Kansas and, and, and Kansas football and recruiting the state and just maybe the culture throughout the different parts of it and, and how that fits for you. Yeah, um, it's a really under-recruited, uh, undervalued state as far as uh, high school football. Um, when I arrived here, we talked, and we've got a great recruiting coordinator here in Taylor Bratt, of we're going to continue to win in the state of Kansas. 
when we were in North Dakota, we had to win in North Dakota. You had to win that state. And we were going to win in the state of Kansas. Well, that, we still had to continue to build relationships and inroads. But uh, as of late, we've done a really, really good job. Uh, almost half of our roster, a little less probably, uh-huh. is from the state of Kansas. Um, a lot of scholarship kids, a lot of walk-ons that, be, that became scholarship kids because uh, there's something about playing for your state school. There's something about uh, uh, having the ability to get home when you need to get home. Um, and uh, we've it's it's been really good weather. You know, it's it's pretty pretty broad now. You're going to go to Garden City and, and go four or five hours, and you can go to Kansas City in two hours. But the thing that I think was the misnomer that I even had is where Kansas State's located, right off of I-70. It's not in western Kansas. You can get there pretty pretty easily. And uh, we've got an airport here in Manhattan. Um, and, and so I think the the, uh, the state of football in, in Kansas is is good and continue to get better. I love the high school coaches. They they have a couple of great clinics that we're involved with. Lance does a great job uh, with his staff at KU being involved in them. Um, and, and so I, I think it's very healthy and it's continuing to get better and better. When when uh, when you mentioned maybe playing for your state school, talk about uh, maybe that influence on retention and, and maybe even the fan base. Do you, do you see those things connected and maybe players that want to stay uh, through thick and thin when yeah. when they're at the state school and and maybe the connection with with families and fans when like you said, over 50 percent of your roster. is yeah. From it, the it's, state. yeah, it's it's fun on a Friday night when we're at a home game. Uh, and, uh, you know, we get done with our meetings about 8.30, 8.45, and bed check maybe is at 10.30 or 10.45 based on uh, what time we play the next day, and to see the, the lobby just kind of full yeah. uh, of parents in state, out of state, um, but they're all convening, uh, reconvening here in, in uh, uh, Manhattan. When we go on the road, um, the amount of, uh, of fans that travel – you know, we, we do a really neat thing here in May. It's called a catbacker tour, and we go to different smaller communities out in western Kansas, eastern Kansas, southeast Kansas, wherever it may be. Um, Coach Tang takes a swing of it. Uh, I take a swing at it and go to different places. And, and our numbers were astronomical this year at all these places. Now, we were pretty good in football, and we are pretty darn good in basketball this year. Um, but uh, it was just fun to engage with those fans. It's a passionate fan base, and uh, I love that. Um, I want them to be upset when we don't play well. Um, <laughs> you know that I want them to continue to um, come out in droves for us. And you know the other thing that's really unique about Kansas State is the student support. Um, that's dwindling across the country at a lot of yeah. places. I know. I've seen uh, it. And uh, for for whatever reason it is, but not at Kansas State. You know, our students have the best seat for a football game at the 50-yard line right behind the visitor's bench, along with the band. And Dr. Frank Trace, who's the best band director in the country, does a phenomenal job with our band and our student section. It gets kind of loud. Um, <laughs> sometimes, Bronco, that noise might be going on as they leave the huddle. Sometimes it will uh, I'm sure it's right on the fringe. I, I'm right sure. On, but I know we're not breaking any rules with it. And, and then you go to a basketball game. And all the students are at midcourt. Mm-hmm. You know, they have the best seats in the house. And it's fun because our students are so engaged. When you get the students engaged, you get the community engaged, you get the state engaged, you get the region engaged. When you come out of that tunnel and you see 55, 53,000 and it's packed and sold out for every game, I mean, it sends chills down your spine. And, and I know those Kansas kids love the fact that uh, they get to play in front of a full house every time they run out on the field. 
as I see the the trends around college football, most stadiums, if they were a little bit under 40,000, capacity would be reached far more than some of the stadiums. As you mentioned, some of the fan bases and maybe the student sessions are dwindling around the country. And, and those that can maintain it really, to me, their culture, their identity, the specificity, the connection, but also the success. And yep. you mentioned, yeah, we know it's we know it's conditional support uh, the jobs that yep. we have, and um, but as you mentioned, it seems that you embrace that. And and man, you meeting your wife when you're a graduate assistant, and so she saw what that was yep. going to be like to 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 marry you, knowing even as a graduate yep. assistant to see that path. <laughs> that's a great entry point. Um, how best do the two of you manage the expectations, you know, and and the ups and downs that come with the job and the pressures that come with the job? Um, well, she's my rock. Um, she's helped me through. She's a great listener. Um, sometimes she's an administrative assistant too for me and does some things for me, makes some PowerPoints, makes some documents. Yeah. Um, but um, she knows it. She's all in. She knows that this is our, our livelihood. And, um, you know, whether or not we were at Loris College to Northern Iowa to North Dakota State, uh, she's as nervous as anybody uh, on game day. And, um, you know, we're, we're fortunate at, at, at the bill here, we have a suite there and, uh, uh, the people that come up there, they know it's, it's on and when they come up and watch a game. I mean, it, it is, it's happening and she's, she's locked in on it. And, um, it, it's, it's been fun to share this journey. Um, you know, from, I, I know, and you know, um, you know, coaches are, are paid an awful lot of money now, but, it wasn't long ago we were making 20,000. It yeah. wasn't very long ago where we didn't know what we were going to do with three children. And I'm at uh, an FCS school making 50,000. How are you going to manage it? Um, but we always did. And she always made sure that we did. And our kids were um, taken care of. But, um, you know, she's gone through the highs and the lows. And, and um, she she enjoys Manhattan so much because of the friendships that she's uh, garnered. And like yesterday, we had a uh, we had our camp from four to ten. So a bunch of wives and kids were over at the pool. Uh, they got snacks out, had some drinks, and and got everybody involved because this is it's a tough job as 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 a football coach. And 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 our families and wives are around us an awful lot, coming to practice and things. But there's times like last night where there's no room to put anybody else out on the field with as many campers we had. Okay, they all came over to the climbing house and 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 swam and and uh, got together and and we all have the same stories. We all have the same journeys. As as you consider now uh, where college football is headed, what would you like to see for the game and and any adjustments or changes or what and and maybe what you think is working uh, yeah. currently? Well, adapt and adjust is the biggest thing, Bronco. I I, I don't know where realignment's going. Um, I'm excited where we're at in the big 12 with the TV contract that uh, commissioner, uh, your mark was able to, to get for us. Uh, I don't think anybody's done with realignment. I think there's more to come there. We'll find out. I can control what I can control. Um, I think that the, uh, the transfer portal is, is a good thing for college football because, uh, you need to be able to change environments if it's not working out or something as simple as I've got somebody sick back home and I, I want to get closer to home. Uh, it's not always because somebody isn't playing. Sometimes it's, it's a family situation. And uh, I'd hate to have somebody have to leave because of a family situation and they have to sit out of here. That doesn't make any sense to me. Um, the name, image and likeness is, is real. Um, we all know that we need to have some guardrails. Um, and when a kid 
gets a, gets a brand and a name for himself at that school, shoot, I, I don't know how much money Deuce Vaughn made last year, but I bet he made a pretty good chunk of change. He should have. I mean, he mm-hmm. he was out in front uh, all the time and everything we did. And I watched that kid sign autographs for four and five hours uh, with little kids um, after a camp. And so those kids have, have earned that. And I, I'm, I'm excited about where we're at with name names like this. I think we all have to understand that what's going to happen over the next two or three years is going to, really dictate where all this realignment goes as well. I mean, are we going to end up with three 20 team leagues? Um, how is it going to happen? Uh, I, I don't know. I don't know also, uh, Bronco, how it's going to impact me on, on my next, am I going to do this for five years, eight years? You know, it, it, it going to continue to change, but I don't know if we're going to see drastic changes in the next three to five years. Yeah. Or not. I just don't know. Yeah, it's it's really well said, though. I think you framed all the issues and all the potential issues and, and maybe um, and the the reality of what time frame that might happen in. Uh, I know there'll be changes, just uncertain about the time frame and the felt need and maybe the tipping point that causes the changes. So I think you've said that really well. If you were to advise and and, and maybe we could just close with this, with all the success at North Dakota State and, and you mentioned um, the chance to work um, with uh, already a successful head coach um, and kind of, I, I don't know if that'd be a mentor and then inheriting a program where there was a successful head coach, but that doesn't mean or diminish what you've done, right? And so learning under someone or with someone is great, but being in the head coach's seat um, is still different and you have to do it your way and, and you have and had, have had similar success how would you advise those listeners that are, are aspiring to be a head coach um, mm-hmm. to maybe uh, to have their best chance to lead, but also be successful uh, in the way they lead individually and maybe authentically, even though, right, they've been influenced by others. Yeah. Be comfortable in your own skin and be who you are. Uh, be genuine. Uh, you know, everybody talked about well, how can you replace Coach Snyder? Really hard to do. Well, it wasn't the easiest thing replacing Craig Bull. Yeah, well, he'd won three in a row, and <laughs> and that wasn't easy. But I, I I knew the formula because I'd seen it with with Craig, and I had to be myself and had to be authentic, had to be genuine. Uh, I, I know people have different terms for this and whatever. I I really feel I'm a player's coach. I okay. want to get to know guys. I want to um, uh, be involved in their life. I want to find out as much as I can about them. And that was even though I was coming to Kansas State. My heart was ripped out yeah. leaving 120 yeah. kids, 120 families yeah. that I had given my word that, you know, this is where we're at and stuff. But yeah. it was cool because of the relationship that I had built with those people. They were all thankful and happy for the opportunity we had. Then coming here, um, I knew that my experience replacing Craig was going to help me with my experience replacing, uh, replacing Coach Snyder. And I was going to embrace everything that had been done here and build upon everything that had been done here, just maybe doing it in a slightly different way. Yeah. And doesn't mean it's right, wrong, or indifferent. It's just our way. Um, and uh, it's, it's evolving all the time. And so the other thing I'd tell people is, don't be afraid to change. Don't be afraid to adapt and adjust and make sure that you ask people for opinions, ask people, I want to know what we can do to be better in nutrition, what we can do to be better in academics, what we can do to be better um, in in leadership, whatever it may be. I want that. And I want people to feel comfortable and not 
don't feel like you have all the answers because you definitely don't. Ronco, I never would have thought from a football standpoint when I moved here, within two years, I'd change from a four down to a three down. I was a four down forever. Yeah. And I changed four down to a three down. Then we went to a huddle uh, offense to a tempo, no huddle with Colin Klein. Well, I had to adapt and adjust to what the Big 12 was. And yes. um, don't be too proud to do those things. Mm-hmm. You know, um, I, in, in the programs that I ran, an organizational principle that I learned is feedback is a gift. And it, but unless you make giving feedback safe and valued, especially when you're the head coach, people won't give it to you. And and so intentionally, I used to ask for it in a place and in a way that as safe as possible where people would actually say what they meant. And as the head coach, I found frequently if you didn't do that, they wouldn't really tell you. Uh, yeah. So I, I felt like I had to be really intentional about making the space so safe. And, yep. and they knew I was sincere. I wanted their opinion. And it sounds like you've you've done the same. Yeah. That's a great way to put it. And I'm also around a bunch of guys that uh, I'm friends with, that are colleagues of mine, that I coached with, that aren't afraid to say, hey, hey Chris, we got to look at something. We got to look at maybe changing this thing mm-hmm. and not feeling like, oh, my, am I, am I going to step on his toes by saying that? Mm-hmm. No, I, I want your opinion because you're right. Uh, once again, this isn't my program it's our program how can we all make it better well and there's there's a great principle that involvement equals ownership and when you create those involvement opportunities um just like you said the ownership is is um really spread throughout and that's where you capture the hearts and minds of everyone which is is the way your teams play and so it shows and i just i just really appreciate you sharing and coming on and 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 giving us some insight as to what you're doing how you're doing it but maybe even just why you're doing it, which is what I'm hearing. Well, and that's not just coaches, it's players. We have player ownership too. And our Mm -hmm. players, we have leadership council meetings all the time. And I'm like, guys, give me feedback. You know, what can we do more of? What can we do better? Um, Because I want those guys to have ownership. There's nothing, don't ever underestimate the power of belief, power of player ownership, and the power of love. We Mm -hmm. talk about that all the time with our team. It's fantastic. Well, Brian, I'll, I'll send it back to you to Brian usually hits us with some question. We never know what's going to come, Chris. At the end of this, we, we don't know. And so I'm going to tentatively hand it over to Brian again, just and we'll see what happens here. It's just because I, I keep throwing it back on him uh, about uh, kind of raising the bar. And, and you, you certainly have. I mean, you look at back at last December, uh, the, the, the way you guys won that Big 12 title game. Mm-hmm. I, I imagine that has to be cloud. Nine. I know you kind of separate the, the national titles, but what, what's the biggest difference, Chris, in terms of kind of taking that knee to, to maybe win a big championship game versus kind of the, the walk-off fashion you guys had down there in Dallas? Boy, um, you know, that was a unique situation, a unique season. And, we went to TCU in the middle of October and we were up by three scores and lost the game. TCU played a terrific second half. We did not. So we walked off that field and I know our guys were like, man, we would love to have another opportunity at these guys. And so we went in there with a lot of great confidence in playing that big 12 game. And then a, a little thing was a year ago, we opened up the season against Stanford at AT&T Stadium. So 90% of our kids had played there before. And that was a huge, huge advantage as opposed to an 11 o'clock game at at and You're not going there on Friday before a Big 12 championship game. And so we walk in that stadium and just go to the locker room, go to the sideline, get ready to play, as opposed to, as opposed to having that awe factor of where are we. Um, and we had a lot of confident guys, probably no, none more confident than, than our kicker and Ty Zentner, um, smiling as he's running out on the field. And uh, he took over the duties for all three. And that, that kind of – uh, embodied our football team is, is Ty, um, that 
came in and said, I'll, I'll do all three halfway through the season, man, I'll kick, I'll punt, I'll do field goals as well. And um, I don't think the kid missed a field goal the rest of the last half of the year uh, and coming out there with a, with a big smile on his face. We'd just gotten a big fourth down stop and um, Colin had, we said, we got to get one first down, put the ball in the middle of the field and let's end this thing. And our kids had great confidence to do that. Oh, hey, you, you mentioned Colin Klein there, your OC. I, I mean, I covered a couple of his games there uh, as he was running around there in, in, in Little Apple. Does, it, does that energize you a little bit to have, have such a young kind of influence and OC, really a connection there uh, for, for Manhattan and to the program? Well, without, without a doubt. Um, the, the way Colin leads, uh, he leads from out front. He leads as a faith-driven guy first. Uh, I kind of chuckle um, because Colin likes to spin the ball around a lot now because I think he gets so tired of carrying it himself <laughs> 35 times a game. So uh, now we get in some spread open sets, go no huddle, and the ball is being pitched around. But uh, um, I just see the way our, our players uh, respond to him. And, uh, you know, he got put in the uh, ring of honor last uh, fall, which was a really emotional game for him, emotional time for him, but um, really well-deserved. And um, um, he's, he's a huge part of why we're successful here not only what he's done on the field, but as importantly, what he's done off the field and, and how he's mentored young people. Well, uh, fantastic times there for, for the Wildcats, uh, not only for, for last year, but uh, going into uh, what makes to is shaping up to be certainly a, a very thrilling 2023. So uh, for Bronco Mendenhall and for Chris Kleiman, I am Brian Fisher. Thank you again for tuning in here for this episode of Head Coach U. We'll catch you again next week.